all, you guys. It's sunny out. Jesus is alive. We're together. It's almost Christmas. I hope that's good news to you. Hey, I'm John Maroos. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're visiting with us, thank you for coming and sharing this Sunday with us. Uh, right in front of you, there should be a little connect card. We would love to uh, have you fill that guy out as much as you're comfortable with. Drop that in the offering bags. They're about to pass in like 30 seconds. If you can't get it done in time, right after our service on the other side of that wall, uh, we'll have some smiling faces. Uh, they'll make you a little deal. If you give them that card, they'll give you a free book. It's our, our way of saying thank you for coming um, by Francis Chan. Just a great book for you to read. Uh, but thank you guys for coming. I'm excited to be here today. And with that, ushers, come, 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 enter and come. We're going we're gonna to take up our offering. Let's continue in a posture of worship, you guys. And then I'm going to remind us of some super amazing stuff going on for the rest of December. Let's bow our heads and thank the Lord, our God, Almighty. God in heaven, we thank you. We worship you. We praise you. I pray that you would help us to stir our spirits this morning, that we would realize who we come before, the Almighty, Almighty God. And that Holy Spirit, you would do a work in our hearts, that you would stir affection and energy and joy in us. You are worthy of our praise. May our our voices and our hearts be lifted up through singing and through preaching and through prayer. May your people be energized to worship you. We ask as we give now that you would give us wisdom and insight and clarity to use this money so more precious souls can hear about the greatness of this gospel, this good news that Jesus saves, and Jesus works all things into good, and Jesus is the answer, and Jesus is life, and he's the one that we're all looking for. Use it, Father, and be blessed by our worship today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, all right, you guys. Amazing night last night. How many of you guys made it out? Man, it was awesome last night. If some of you are like, what did you guys do? Uh, you're going to have to come back next year. We are, <laughs> I don't know what that was. I, it wasn't like a Christmas party. It was a Christmas get-together. And uh, we were just together as the body of Christ. And it was full of love and full of unity and full of art and full of uh, singing. We had some awesome singing, didn't we? Like, I don't know how many people came up and said, this was the best night. And I just, I fell in love with everybody. And I can't believe how much... Talent is in this church. It's just awesome. Like machine gun style, one after another. People just coming up on the piano and playing. And then I wrapped the whole thing up. I sang uh, quite a bit last night. Don't laugh at me. Uh, But it was a great night. I want to thank everybody and give everybody just a round of applause who were able to help last night. And if you just came, I know some of you couldn't come, that's all right, Uh, but thank you so much for making it just a really precious and very, very powerful night. Uh, In particular, I want to thank Agata, who's just a very special lady in the team that she uh, brought together to make this night possible. But what a great way to end the year and what unity and love was created and what amazingness comes from fire pits. I'm in love with these things now. Yeah, if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. 
And then, guys, our next big thing is obviously next Sunday. We're going to kind of do our Christmas, uh, Christmas service, I guess. Um, you know, as Jeffrey and I talk, and I talk to the elders, like, we just want to keep worshiping Jesus, and uh, we don't want to clutter Christmas too much. So next Sunday is going to be a great Sunday, but we're going to do much of the same awesomeness. We're just going to get together and worship Jesus. Uh, so it should be a very special Sunday next Sunday. And then Christmas Eve, you guys, be in town. Uh, we got people who are, who are coming from Roseville and everything else to be with us. Um, we have a schedule change. We're not meeting at 11 o'clock um, on Christmas Eve, which is Sunday. We're meeting at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Say that with me, 6 p.m. This blood be upon your own hands now. All right? If you come at 11, it's on you. Uh, but 6 p.m., we're coming together with We Are Church, which is Francis Chan's church. And Francis is going to be speaking. Um, I think, I don't know what's going to happen, honestly. I don't know what's going to happen Christmas Eve. Uh, because every time I plan with him, I say, what do you want to do? And he goes, I don't know. Let's not plan anything. Let's just let the Holy Spirit do his thing. And we're just going to get together with the Bible and see what happens. And I'm like, can we get like a start time at least? And he's like, I don't know, we'll just show up. And I'm like, you want music? And he's like, I don't know. So I don't know what's going to happen. I, I can promise you it's going to be liberating. It's going to be powerful. The Holy Spirit is going to be felt. People say, when does it end? I don't know. I don't really know when God's done with us. And I'm okay with that. Uh, so it's going to be a very, very special Christmas Eve, 6 p.m. Um, we're just going to see what the Holy Spirit does. But come and bring a friend. And again, we're, going to, we're just going to see what's going to happen. And then today, I'm, I'm just very blessed. I, I'm going to tear up a lot today because I'm just so happy right now. But we have a prayer gathering at 1.30 today. And uh, I don't know. We're just going to, once again, I'm, I'm learning <laughs> maybe from Francis. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to gather on these stairs at 1.30. And we're going to sing to Jesus. And he's going to sing to us. And we're just going to pray. We're just going to start praying and see what God does. So we even have free pizza. Um, so if you, if you can hang out, we'll give you some, some food. We got coffee as well. And we're just going to get together and pour our hearts out and celebrate the Lord Jesus. So check us out at 1.30 as well, all right? All right, are you ready? I, my, I have something to tell you today I'm so excited about from the scripture. I'm going to give you the real Christmas story. How's that? Now, we've all seen the Hallmark cards. Um, we've all seen like Charlie Brown's Christmas or whatever. We've all seen this version of Christmas. We've all seen Mary, you know, captured in stained glass in these beautiful church buildings. I don't know why I'm pointing here. She's not captured in stained glass up there. But we've all seen this amazing picture of the nativity scene. Um, uh, maybe you have the nativity statues on on uh, your fireplace, or maybe they're waving in your front yard or something like that, these blow-up things. But um, the more, you guys, the more I walk with Jesus, and man, God's really grown me this year, the more I've, I've been looking at things like this, and, and I look at these statues, I, I look at this nativity story, I look at the cards I'm getting, and, and all of this stuff on the nativity of, of Mary and Joseph, and this, like, this weird crib thing, which is really like a gutter or a trough, and uh, these weird guys who are very rich, and they're bringing stuff, and they're kind of captured in porcelain and these statues. And then you got the shepherds over here. They make it in. They got, you know, they're doing like this low thing, low. Yeah, this weird Christmas stuff. And like all these weird statues. And we're like, it's very fluffy and it's very good. But when I read the Christmas story, something else entirely is going on. Something very real and raw. And I think that's part of our problem. We don't connect to the Christmas story and it doesn't change us at the level we need to be changed. I mean, it almost feels too clean, if you ask me. 
Like it's so clean and it's so bright and it's so good that you almost feel like you don't fit. It's like, but I got so many problems. As a matter of fact, Christmas has a way of revealing problems that the rest of the year doesn't allow those problems to come out. Like, let me just give you a little hints. Uh, you'll find out how hard it is to be in a family around Christmas, amen? I should get like a standing ovation just for right there. <laughs> I mean, I'm not glorifying myself. I'm saying this is the truth. Like, we are hard to deal with as humans. Or, or you can find out just how broke you are around Christmas. Uh, we, we were in Big Five um, yesterday, my daughter and I, and uh, the lady ringing us up, she was like, I, I did so well this year, I, I actually put money aside for Christmas, and I'm not racking up debt this year on my credit cards. I'm so happy, you know, and you're just like, dang, the rest of the year you would not know that, but Christmas, yes, Christmas. But Christmas is just full of, of, of real life, but the Christmas story, when we read it and we hear it, it doesn't feel like it connects, and that bothers me. And so I want to do this series called Meet the Nativity, and I wanted these, these porcelain statues, like some weird Disney movie or something, I want them to come to life, and, and the more I stare at them, and I was at Luke and Allie's for our Thursday group, and they've got an awesome nativity uh, set, we got one on our info desk, and I, I just find myself like stopping and looking at these statues and like looking at like Mary, this week I'm just looking at Mary, and every year I walk with this girl, and I look at this statue of Mary, and I'm like, you're not frozen in time. Like, you have a story, and it's a very real story, and it connects with so many people. And so what I want you to do as I, as I take Mary and allow the Holy Spirit and the Bible to bring her to life and show her just how similar she is to you and I and what God did with her and through her in Christmas and how it can heal you today, I want you to think of your life. I'm thinking about mine all week. I want you to think of your life. And let's just get real and raw in a really healthy way. Let me ask you a question. And uh, the Christian way to answer is by saying amen. Don't we all have a tremendous desire to keep life in control? I, I don't like disruptions. I don't like disruptions. I mean, I like rhythms in life. Um, I, like, I like a life where I have orchestrated it to, to work something like this, you know. My teen years are going to look like this. And then about this age, I'm going to enroll in this particular, particular college. And then I'm going to meet this particular type of girl. And we're going to get married. And we're not going to pay for the wedding. Everyone else is going to pay for the wedding. Then we're going to do this. And then we're going to have kids at this age. But we're, we're going to have this many kids. Then we're going to live here. And vocationally, I'm going to do this. And my body's going to be perfectly healthy until this age. You get me? And we kind of like orchestrate our life this way, but it is so hard. I would even be bold enough to say it's impossible to keep life together. I was talking to a dear lady last night, and I told her, I don't know where this came from. I said, life to me is like super gluing a sandcastle together. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you got this thing that just a breath, a breath, and it, it starts crumbling this way and moving that way. And I, I've got, you know, the, the doctrine of Johnism. You know, I'm trying to play God, and I'm trying to glue every grain of sand together and just keep my life without any disruption right there, nice and clean. And it's really silly, isn't it? And the reason we do this, guys, all of us, is we like to know what the future holds. Because it's in the knowing that we find the safety, isn't it? 
disruption, the unknown creates anxiety. And I, I wrestle with the idea that God allows me to look backwards but not forward. And so we love the rhythms because they're safe. If I know what tomorrow holds, I don't have to prepare for any pain or, or any mystery or any adrenaline dumps or anything else. And I don't know where you're at in life, guys, but just check me right here. And maybe you've had everything going for you at one point. Maybe, maybe your life was in that nice rhythm. And if you're a systematic guy like me, you try really hard to put everything in its nice little container, yeah? I wish I was more like you artsy people who just float. I love you guys. You just, you're floating. And, and it's like you're painting a picture. I'm one of those systematic kind of, you know, mathematical-minded people who's got to have each thing in its box and in its nice little square. And maybe that, that's been your idea of life. Everything's kind of planned out for the future. But maybe we can take a word from John Lennon of all people. Life is what's happening to you when you're making other plans. Life is what's happening to you when you're making other plans. Which is to say, what Lennon is saying is while I'm trying to create this perfect life for myself, what's really happening is all these disruptions are going on over here, and that's what my life is really becoming. Someone asked me the other day, when did you plan kids? Huh? You feeling me, guys? Like, huh? When did, when did we, do you plan kids? And if you did, praise God. Like, I don't know, I, don't, I just don't know how that works. Life is full of disruptions. And when you receive one of these disruptions, this unexpected surprise, uh, it hardly feels like a Christmas gift given to you, right? And most of the time, it's like one of those bad gifts that you want a receipt with. But this Christmas story, you guys, this Christmas story says something absolutely revolutionary to us. The Christmas story is all about a perfectly wonderful young lady minding her own business and Jesus crash lands into her life and does the utmost to disrupt everything. But don't worry, guys, hear me now. The world is not waiting for you to execute your master plan called life. But through God, we're invited into a far better life if we learn to flow with the disruptions, yeah? So I want to look at Mary's story. Uh, Grab your Bibles, open your Bibles, Luke chapter 1. You guys feeling me? Let's get some energy in this room. Luke chapter 1, get excited with me. We're about to find some answers to life. And let's check Mary out. Let's get, let's get a hold of Mary's story here. Luke chapter 1, uh, I think it's page 1012 in your pew Bible. If you don't have a Bible, 1012. We'll throw all these verses up behind me. But I want to look at Mary, this girl who's just living the, the perfect life. As we read it and hear in Charlie Brown's Christmas, as we see it on the cards, it looks like Mary's life is going just, just perfectly. But when you, when you really creates by putting scripture together, the real Christmas story. Man, you see something entirely different. Luke chapter one, verse 26. Let's meet our girl. And man, I'm telling you, I feel like I know this girl. Do you read the Bible this way? Are you, if they cut you, would you bleed black and white? Do you read the Bible and read the Bible until you begin to know these people? You begin to connect with these people? Like, yeah, they're just like me. They got, they got issues just like me. I feel like I know Paul. Like, I, I'm glad sometimes no one's around when I'm reading the Bible because I'm speaking to these guys. And I read the Christmas story, or I listened to the, the Christmas story this morning, and I'm talking back to my Bible. I'm like, no, 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 God, no, 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 God, don't, don't do it, don't do it, as if I've not read this story over and over again. Like, I'm trying to save Mary, you know, 
And I'm like looking around like, man, I'm going to wake the whole house up here. But I want you to meet this girl. I want her to come off the page of scripture and be a real human being. Because it's that moment that you'll begin to understand what God is doing in your life. So look at Luke 1. Look at verse 26. Let's meet our girl. In the sixth month, that's the sixth month of her cousin's pregnancy. Don't, don't worry about it. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, so this created messenger of God, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. All right, so far so good? Kind of sounds cool. Verse 27, to a virgin, that's important, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. So she's engaged. She's engaged. It's all good. She's from the house of David, or this, this guy is from the house of David, so she's even marrying into a good family, yeah? And the virgin's name was Mary. We all good so far? Uh, so far, it's a wonderful life. When I read that, man, this girl's got it all going for her, and this is the problem with reading the Bible. Like, here she is, you know, I don't know, maybe she's 16, maybe she's 17 years old, and she's grown up in a good uh, religious home, and maybe she's got a good education, and maybe she's got loving parents, and uh, maybe one day, you know, she's kind of meeting this guy, and, and they're family friends with her family, and, uh, you know, they do the look thing or whatever people do, and, and they start noticing each other, and she does the giggle and all that crazy stuff, and maybe as this thing develops, like, the parents start talking, and they're like, oh, man, maybe this is the thing. Maybe we're supposed to be doing this thing and you pay for the wedding and I'll give you the girl. (laughs) And I don't know how the whole thing unfolds, but somehow these two begin to come together. And as I read the Bible, they're falling in love. And you may believe you choose love and I get that, but I believe you fall in love and choose love. I believe love is beyond our, our understanding. And so these two kind of come together, and I don't know, maybe they talk, you know, maybe the families come together uh, after they leave the synagogue on, on a Saturday, and they, they walk back to their homes, and you know, parents are walking up there, and, and Mary and Joseph are kind of walking behind them, and they're talking, and it's kind of that awkward thing, and, and the adrenaline's moving, and the heart is beating a little bit fast, and, and pretty soon, like, this talk begins to happen, and I don't know, maybe, maybe he kind of goes out, and he asks to talk to her, and she slips out of the house, and he just kind of, he does his thing, he's like, maybe we should get married. Maybe we should do this thing. And like she's freaking out and crying and she's like, yeah, yeah. I'll be done with college soon. Let's get married after college. I don't know how the thing plays out, but it's so, so sweet. And man, I'm serious. Like maybe I'm weird, but when I read the Bible, I start tearing up right here. Because I'm like, man, I wish, I almost wish the story just stopped right there. Like, yes, Mary, it's so hard to keep life together, and you're you're doing it. And you're even marrying a dude who's from a great family. Everything looks so good. And maybe she goes back to her bedroom, I don't know, and and maybe she thinks about him and and like thinks like, man, are we gonna have kids? And she thinks about the wedding, and there she is in that little, that little house in this little town, and she's looking out the window, and you know, the sun has gone down and there are the stars, and maybe she's thanking God, like, man, God, you've you've made all my dreams come true. This is like I've made my parents proud. And here's what life is gonna look like. Look at verse 28. She's even being visited by God, right? 
And this angel, and I, I don't know, maybe it's evening and she's just kind of kicking it on her bed and, and maybe she's thinking about her guy and thinking, man, this wedding's gonna come pretty soon and she's just like can't even sleep and she's looking out the window at the stars and all of a sudden in the room, this angel came to her, verse 28, and he goes like this, greetings, oh favored one, the Lord is with you. And she's just staggered and she's startled as this light enters the room. And you think if life couldn't get better, Mary, like if your life isn't already perfect, an angel of God just came to you, sent from God, and he calls you favored. Like this wedding is going to rock, right? The Lord is with you, which means she's going to prosper, right? Right? Which means she's going to be wealthy, right? Which means they're going to have a long marriage with perfect kids and perfect health, right? But Mary knew something in verse 29. And this is where the Christmas story just gets really real and awesome. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. Well, well, Mary, I'm talking to you now, Mary. How can you be really troubled at verse 28? You were just called favored by God. Why are you troubled? And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Here's what, here's what, Mary, here's what Mary knew. Uh, being a good Jew growing up in the synagogue, Mary knew that when angels came, things got crazy. You hear me out there? Like she knows about Abraham. Abraham's skating through life. He's doing his thing. And then an angel shows up and his kid almost dies. Like when angels show up, things get crazy. And so when this angel shows up, forget Hallmark, and he does the low, low. She's like, I know this game. I know this story. Now when God shows up, God is good, but this thing could get risky right now. And so she begins to think like, what, what, is, what is about to happen? And I, I can just hear her like in her mind going, no, 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 God, no. No, like in two months, I'm going to get married. Not now. Like, don't do this right now. To the point that verse 30, and the angel said to her, my child, don't be afraid. For you have found favor with God. Well, then I'm going to be okay, right? Then you're not going to mess with my life, right? Everything's going to be good, right? He goes like this. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You you, you will call him Joshua. You will call him Messiah. He's the Savior. And, And now Mary's like, no, 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 don't go here. Do not go here. You are telling me that I'm going to be supernaturally inhabited by God God is going to take the form of a human being to save human beings through me. I'm going to get pregnant. No, you can't do this. I'm about to be married. I'm in love with this guy. There is no way to explain this. Look at verse 34. Check this out. And man, take VeggieTales and Hallmark movies out of the scripture and look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel after she is like digging on this, like, Please don't do this to me, God. She goes like this. How, how in the world can this be? How can I get pregnant? I've never had sex. 
In other words, she goes, what in the world is this gonna do to my family and to my future marriage? Verse 35, and the angel answered her, "Uh, don't sweat it, Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Mary's thinking, that did not help me. Like, that was not the emotionally satisfying answer I was looking for. Like, God, okay, you're working. You're about to use me. But, but what about the practical side? Like, what's going to happen to me? And then, boom, he's gone. And I've been visited like this, minus the Messiah pregnancy thing. And then, boom, she's sitting there alone in the room again. Maybe she gets off her bed. Maybe she's wandering around like, what just happened? Maybe she starts crying and saying, no, 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 no. How do I tell my parents this? How do I explain this? How do I tell Joseph this? What do I do? What do I do? And watch what she does in verse 39, guys. Almost the worst thing you could do. She goes and grabs her Jansport backpack. Like any good teenager, she packs it with some clothes. She's heaving, trying to get air in her lungs. She doesn't know what to do. In those days, Mary arose. She climbs out her window. That's what it means in the Greek, I'm sure. And went with haste. She goes running down the road at night into the hill country to a town in Judah. She goes to her cousin's house and she hides. Welcome to the first Christmas. She takes off. She doesn't tell her mom. She doesn't tell her dad. She doesn't tell Joseph. She's gone. You want to know how long she hides at her cousin's house? Gotta love a good cousin. Look at verse 56. And Mary remained there about three months. And she walks back down that dusty road and she goes home. I don't know if she's wearing a really baggy shirt so no one will notice, but she's three months pregnant. And I don't know if, if her and Elizabeth, her cousin and, and Elizabeth's husband met in that house and Mary cried and she says, what do I do, Elizabeth? What do I do? If I go back and they ask me like, what happened? I've been gone for three months. It's going to look like an affair. This is the first Christmas. It's so messy. We want Christianity to be so clean. God is in the mess. And maybe they get this plan together, like just come out and be truthful. Just, just say it. And if they don't believe it, Just tell them what happened, but you got to go. And maybe she wakes up that morning and she walks back into town. She's been gone three months. Her parents have sent search parties thinking she's kidnapped. I I don't know what that scenario is, but no doubt she walks up to her house and probably knocks on the door thinking, I'm not welcomed here anymore. I know what they're going to say. The door opens. And can you imagine mom and dad opening the door and seeing their daughter And looking at her and saying, honey, where have you been? And maybe mom rushes and hugs Mary and feels something. Like, Mary, what is going on? Maybe word goes to Joseph's family and, you know, Joseph comes bombing down the road. Like, Mary's home, she's alive. And and he comes crashing and and he looks her in the eyes and and then he looks down at her, her stomach and everyone's just frozen in this house. Like, isn't that life again, minus the Messiah thing? Like, everything, everything's planned out, but then God has these plans, man. 
And I, the thing I'm learning about Jesus, and I'm just learning to love it and learning to roll with it, but Jesus seems to love nothing more than to crash land into people's lives who are minding their own business and radically altering lives, even as a baby. And my big question is like, God, why did you come in this girl's life like this? And why do you come to our lives like this? And when it comes to following Jesus, you guys, the hardest thing to give is in. When I follow Jesus, I want it to be clean. I want a Jesus who conforms to the image of man, not man who conforms into the image of Jesus. Because it's very troubling at times for us to conform into the image of Jesus and roll with the plan of God like Jesus did. I'm going to the cross. It's going to be painful. But the plan of God makes sense. The plan of God is worth it. It's very hard to live that. You have to be under the the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when you know God is in that moment, maybe it's health for you, or maybe it's education, or maybe you're having problems with a family, and, and, and you hear people say things like, you know, God is behind that, and God is going to work in that. The hardest thing to give is in. And just be like, okay, I am gonna, I'm going to allow all my plans to go in a unique direction right now. I don't get it, but I'm going to give in to God. Look at Luke 1 and look at verse 34. And, and here's what, one of the things I'm troubled about in churches, and I want to clean this up. Um, I think we have been told over and over again, and, and if, you're in the, if you're in that place in life, if, if God has just interrupted you, like divine interruption. He's crash landed into your life. You had the whole thing planned out and he has just crash landed in, in, into your life. I think one of the things that we have been drilled and conditioned is that there's no room for doubt. There's no room to ask God, why is this happening? Um, we're told, you know, like the old hymn, trust and obey, there's no other way. And that's what we want. But we're humans. And God understands when we doubt. If you look at verse 34 again, chapter 1, verse 34, this is exactly what Mary does. She begins to wrestle with this. She literally is questioning, like, God, I love you. I know you love me. I know you're perfect. But how will this be since I'm a virgin? This does not make sense to me. Mary expresses her doubt openly. And I'm troubled that we don't think there's room for doubt or fear when following God. Yes, there is. Jesus Christ said, if there's another way to bring these human beings back to you, God, make it happen. And I want you to know here, if you're troubled and you're struggling to relate or talk to God because you think he doesn't accept your doubt and your confusion, know that God accepts our honest doubt because honest doubts are open to belief. When we ask God, God, speak to me right now. Speak to me and tell me I need to know what this is. I need handles. I need, I need a way to believe and move forward in this. Please talk to me through another believer or the scripture or in some supernatural way. And here's what God wants, guys. And I, I want to talk to you as a pastor. I want you to get this, especially if you're in this season. Here is what God wants, but God understands it's not easy. Please hear this. God wants Mary. God wants Mary to give up the rights to determine for herself the best way for her to live this life out. 
You get me? That's hard. God is saying, like, man, I just, I just, woo. This is, this is life. But we can learn to fall in love with God more through this. I'll show you this in a minute. But God is just looking down at Mary like sending his angel. And he's just like, young lady, you have no idea how much I love you. And you think the good life was the marriage? There's nothing wrong with that. You think the good life was the health? Oh, there's everything right with that. Mary, you think the good life is those kids? There's nothing wrong with that. You had the whole thing planned out. But Mary, you're not going to understand this, but, but you, need, you need to trust me and work through this and give up the right to determine what your life is going to look like because I am going to give you the best life. It's just not going to make sense right now. you got to flow with me. And the question I have is, How? We, we can't just keep doing bumper sticker Christianity. That goes, you just believe. No, faith always has an object. Like, tell me what to believe. Uh, any Lord of the Rings fans out here? Have I converted anybody? <laughs> That's it? Well, we watch the Lord of the Rings series every Christmas. Quarterly, actually. And uh, last, or maybe Friday night, I don't know, Saturday night, I don't, we were watching uh, the first Lord of the Rings, and every time this, this, this scene hits, our family freezes, and you can hear a pin drop, and after the scene leaves, we all go, oh, man, that's good. And it's when Frodo is given this awful burden of carrying the ring, and he's got to go destroy it. And it's, it's killing him. And he says, he says to Gandalf, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And Gandalf says these striking words that Tolkien takes literally from Scripture. So do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that's given to us. And it's like so much of this is out of our control, just like Mary. And we may not be able to alter it with a sovereign God who's got a deeper plan than we can ever know. But what we can do is we can decide what to do with it. Am I willing to fold and trust him? And the hard part with Mary is that this is going to alter her life. If you were to read John 8, I've told you guys this last year at our Thursday group. Mary, Mary was marked as a woman who had an affair for the rest of her life. Nobody believed like God came or very few believed. And that's why they accused Jesus that he didn't know his dad. When he goes, your father is Satan to the religious leaders, like, whew, that's a big shot. They go like this. If our father is Satan, at least we know our father. So Mary carried this stigma with her. God altered her life. He did. But if you really want to experience God in the fullness of his wonder, we have got to drop our conditions and trust him. We cannot say, God, I will go if you. We will say, God, we will flow with you because of who you are. In our version of life, as good as it sounded, in your wisdom, in your awesomeness, in your Romans 8.28, all things are working together for good to make me like your son's stuff. We have to learn together as a community to drop our conditions and say, God, you got a different plan. I have to walk through this. Um, I'm a Lewis nut also. 
I figure you can't go wrong with Jesus Christ, Tolkien, and Lewis. <laughs> Lewis says these words, you guys, just so human and so biblical. He goes, we're not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We know he's God. We know he's good. We know he's wise. We're wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. You know what I'm saying? Like when he does things to me, I remember like I failed speech class three times in, in high school. Like I couldn't get through it. I was terrified. And then God calls me to do this and he unloosens my, my tongue and things start happening and, and healing starts happening and all this stuff when I, when I start speaking. But then he trashes my voice. He does this thing with my voice to where I started, I started having all these throat problems and I was seeing these specialists and I'm like, no, 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 God. My, my, my preaching career is going places and people are looking at me like a prodigy and he's like, that's why I did it. Back to the attic. Back to the dust where I found you. That's where the power is. That's where you fell in love with me. I let you go this route. <laughs> I let you fulfill your model for life. This thing gets real jacked up, John. You got to trust me altering this thing. And I have never felt more in love with God when I have to yield to him and plead for my health. And when I preach in the mornings I have before I speak or teach that I plead with God, give me health, give me clarity, help my throat. Like all of these amazing things happen when I begin to trust God's movement and his direction in my life. And that's what God is saying. Mary, I know you had your plan. He's saying, hey friend, right here in this room, I know you had your plan. I get it. But I, I know as a father, this is not gonna make a whole lot of sense. But know that I'm wise and I'm good. And if you don't understand, I understand. But I'm going to alter your life, and it's going to be painful, but I am going to walk with you every step of the way. I gave you the comforter for a reason. The reason I call him the comforter is because this thing is going to get messy. I'm going to comfort you through this, but I need you to trust my goodness. And so Mary begins to grab onto something. Fear's a tough thing. We fear the unknown because of what we think is going to happen in the unknown. And so here's Mary frozen in time, pregnant, life-shattering, God who's good. How do I reconcile those two things? And the coolest thing happens with this girl. This is why I cry all the time with this young lady in scripture. I'm like, man, I love this girl. Like the coolest thing happens in her. Luke chapter one, verse 29. And if she is a teenager, like this, is, this girl is crazy awesome. She says in verse, the Bible says in verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying, like, God, this isn't the plan. And he's like, no, nah, this is the plan. And, and I love this. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She tried to discern. Yeah, she started putting the pieces together. That's what discern means. She goes like this, guys. Please, please hear me. She goes like this. She's like sitting on her bed with this angel in a room and her life in 13 seconds with this announcement from the angel just got turned upside down or right side up. And she's sitting there and she began, this is a response. So if you're struggling here this morning with God coming into your life and doing this, here's the response that we need to work out this morning. She goes like this. This makes no sense. I'm terrified. God says, I understand. God says, Mary, what do you know about me? What do you know about me? And Mary begins to discern or put the pieces together. What do I know about God? What do I know about God? 
I li- this is how I live my life, <laughs> like constantly. Okay, what do I know about God? <laughs> I'm terrified, but what do I know about God? I know that God cannot do everything. He cannot leave me, and he cannot forsake me. He has enslaved himself to always be for me. I know that God is good to me because I'm in Christ. I know God is infinitely wiser than my design and plan. I know God has never let me down. Like this inventory. I know he's given me the Holy Spirit because he knows I'm not going to understand. And those are some of the sweetest times of my life when I'm in, in pain and a little confused, but the Holy Spirit begins like a bomb to heal me. What do I know about God? And every time he does this, because <laughs> he's always doing it, he's never failed me. He's never let me down. And looking back, he's altered every step of my life. And this is the best life possible, not because of the outward, but because of the communion I have with him. I've taken an inventory. What do I know about this God? And I think what we need to do in a minute when we pray, guys, is we need to take an inventory about God if you're, if you're struggling in a a place of life. What do we know about him? If he's altering our life and we're terrified, but what do we know about, about him? And when we allow the Holy Spirit to speak those truths to us, we begin like Mary to say, then I'll go forward and I will do this thing. 137. The angel says, Mary, remember this. Nothing will be impossible with God. You need to hear that. I feel with all my heart that the Holy Spirit has told me this morning that people in this room need, need to hear this. God has altered it, your life. It does not make sense. Nothing is impossible with our God. It may not be the story in the script that you created, but nothing is impossible with God, which is to say a great life is gonna be born out of this craziness as God shifts you and moves you around just like Mary. This is not the life that we scripted at times. But Mary's going like this. Maybe God can work a better life out of this crazy situation. And I love that argument. The angel's like, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Here's the argument, you guys. And let's just, let's let God just crushed out. Nothing will be impossible with God is a really good argument to argue with your own mind. Because there is not a single place in Mary's life, not a single place, where she could see that God had failed her while guiding her. And there is not a single place in our life that we can look back and say, God fundamentally and theologically failed me right there. If we realize that the greatest aim of God is to get us to him. And through the shifting of life and the moving of life, he has gotten us closer and closer to him, which is the greatest gift of grace. Luke 1.38. And that is when Mary was able to say, behold. Whoa, 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 Mary. <laughs> Angels say, behold. Listen up. I declare. Mary goes, hey, angel. My teeth are clenched right now. I don't know everything that's about to happen. But listen up. I am the servant of the Lord. <laughs> I know God is good. 
I know God is wise and I do not understand this, but I can look back and he has never failed me or my people. And because I can, I can bank on that, let it be done to me according to your word. Let God do what seems good to him. And the angel, I don't know, it's like he winks at her and he goes, you got it. You got it. Hang in there. We're not going to leave you. This is going to change the world. And the angel departed from her. What was all this really about? Couldn't Jesus come into the world a different way? (laughs) You ever just ask that question? Like this kid, man, (laughs) her life is just like, so you and I could know God today. And the more I thought about it this morning, I I didn't really have a sermon this morning. I just had this thought. What is this all about, God? Why didn't you just come and go to the cross? Look at Luke chapter two. Let me end with this. I just want to sing and pray and worship. I love this. What is God doing in our lives? If he's altering our lives, if, he, if he's moving it this way or that way, and, and maybe the altering is singleness, or maybe it's you don't have a job, or maybe it's your background's flawed, or maybe, maybe it's a divorce or whatever. For all of us, we have a story Why does God do this? Why does he disrupt? And here's what I believe above all, that God was taking all the noise and and all the crazy pursuits out of this awesome young lady's life, all the the noise of life, so Mary could see Christ clearly. Clearly. And I just feel like even with my ambition, although they're not wrong, and your ambition and our dreams, although they're not wrong, God is like, I am the greatest gift you'll ever have, and I am the greatest life you'll ever experience if you, if you come to me. And there's a lot of stuff in the way, and I know this doesn't make sense, but I love you too much to let you go this route. I just want to draw you to me. I want you to get, I was talking to one of our guys today, and I was like, I'm not old, but... Like, I'm not trying to stay here forever. Like, I want, we keep talking about God. And man, you're like, like, man, really got like 45 or 50 more years, you know? And you're like, that's good. I'll enjoy this life. But man, I want to be with you. And that's what God wants. And it's through these shifting and these changes, he's taking away the noise and he's given us the best life. My best life are the moments when, when I don't respond to your guys' texts and phone calls, and I probably should, but when I'm just with God, I'm just with God. My best life will be at 1.30 with some believers just hanging out and talking to Jesus. My best life was this crazy night on Thursday night with a bunch of saints of God, like just talking about Jesus and life, like praying together and like our best life is God. Man, I want you to know that's so bad and sometimes God's just gotta move all the noise out of the way and just get us there. And I just think he did that with Mary with all the stuff going on in her life. So Mary could experience the deepest life possible, the greatest joy possible. Like Mary... Your marriage will never be anything you thought it would be if you don't come closer to me. And I think that's what happened. Luke chapter two, verses 18 and 19. I'm so excited for this. When it all came down to it and and God broke into the world and Jesus Christ was born and the manger scene, the nativity scene happens and everybody gathers around in that barn 
and all this hype is going on and, and everyone's excited. Something's different about our girl. Something's different. She's just hanging out in the background with nothing in the way. She doesn't know any of these people. She's a long way from home. She's a long way from pressure. She's a long way from the marriage ceremony stuff and the planning and education and her cell phone and all that. And she is sitting in a barn in the middle of nowhere with nothing between her and the son of God. And she is finding life like she never dreamed. Luke 2, 18, 19. And all who heard it in that barn wondered at what the shepherds had told him, like God is here. And look at the difference with our girl. But Mary, not Mary, she understood what was going on now. She understood that God had moved all those distractions out of the way. But Mary treasured up all these things. She just sat back in the darkness of that barn with a little torchlight and she held Jesus with nothing between her and the Son of God, pondering them, dwelling on this thing, blown away, captured by how God needs nothing other than himself in the experience we have with him to give us experiences that elevate us to another world and another joy. She pondered those things in her heart. If God is shifting you and shaking you right now, trust him. Let him move these things out of the way as, as crazy as it sounds. And like Mary, just be there, you and the Son of God. No striving, no distractions, no noise. Be with him and find the greatest life possible. Let's pray. This is Christmas, brothers and sisters. This is Christmas. I love it. I love it. And if you're here this morning and you're breathing air, then God has shifted you and is shifting you. And I want you to know that he's a good, good father. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not failed you. Let scripture speak to you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are blood-bought and blood-soaked. You are captured in the family. You are loved always. His disruption is not to hurt you. It's to move you closer to himself. And that is the greatest thing our God could do. And I want you to see him this morning the best way you can in your minds. Let the Holy Spirit paint pictures in your minds. God is looking at you right now with the eyes of love. The scripture says that Jesus is in the midst of the church. He's here right now. And he's walking down these rows and up these aisles. And he's comforting you right now. He's saying like, like he did with Mary, hang in there. Trust these hands. And maybe this morning as he He's in the midst of us. Maybe you need to see the scars on his own hands where his father 
guided him into a life that would not make sense to most human beings. But the end of the story is power and healing and life. So he says to you with a hand on your shoulder, standing behind you in the row behind you, I know what it feels like. But it was worth it, wasn't it? You're saved. You're saved because I trusted my Father. Trust Him. Move with Him. Let, let Him disrupt you. And remember, He's never failed you. This morning, just be like Mary, you and the Son of God. His life, His joy, His joy. God can, with nothing other than Himself, overflow and fulfill the deepest places in the human heart. He just wants to be with you. Pray to him. Sing, sing with him. Speak to him. Raise your hands. Pray to him out loud. Come down on your knees, whatever you need to do. Ponder his love like Mary. He didn't disrupt our perfect plan for life because he's punishing us or to hurt us. He did it to take distractions out of the way so we could know him. Get there. Be honest with him about your doubt, your fears. Let him heal you. Ask him for faith and healing and boldness to accept it and to trust his good hands. Those are not hands that hurt his people. Those are hands that turn poison into medicine. Those are hands that love you and hold you. people who have Jesus as our all, who are surrendered. Mary went on to do great things for God, great things. God is calling you into deeper waters to do greater things for him, but he, he wants more of you. He surrenders no area to the enemy wants every piece of you for your joy for your worship be with him this morning these guys are going to sing and this is no time to be tamed I want you to be free we need to experience the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ they are going to lead us and we are going to sing and speak to God 
you cry out, you stand, you be bold, you give all to Jesus and feel the greatest life. Health and career and wealth, a thousand friends, nothing compares to the joy of a life bowed down before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Let's get there this morning. Pray to Him and sing to Him worship.